Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello everyone, Rob Guest here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. We'll be reflecting on another 3-0 defeat for Spurs in the Premier League as Chelsea won 3-0 at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday with goals from Thiago Silva, N'Golo Kante and Antonio Rudiger. It was certainly a classic game of two halves and now Nuno Espirito Santo and Spurs are going to have to get back to winning ways on Wednesday in the Carabao Cup at Wolves and then in Sunday's Premier League North London derby against Arsenal. As ever, I'm joined by Alistair Gold. Ali, you know, despite another 3-0 defeat, how are you <laughs> feeling? Uh, what a beautiful way to put it. Um, yeah, back-to-back 3-0 defeats in London derbies in the Premier League. What a beautiful time it's been since that international break begun. It just really has... Um, it's just weird. I mean, completely, completely different game to the game at Selhurst Park, which obviously we're we're going to talk at length on. It gives us more to talk about. I feel that. I feel while everyone, of course, is going to be very disappointed after yesterday, as you know, myself included. I think there's much more we can take out of the game, um, positives and negatives. Whereas I just thought the game itself as part was an absolute write-off. It was just like that as an appalling match that we just kind of, <laughs> we try to pick the bones out of that was like, wow. Whereas this, there's little elements I think we can we can take something from and also stuff that we can see that needs to change. So, yeah, plenty for us to talk about. Yeah, we'll start with Nuno's team selection because a week ago at Crystal Palace, they he came in for a lot of criticism for what was a rather defensive setup with, you know, the likes of Pierre-Emil Hoybier, Oliver Skip, uh, Deli Ali, Harry Winks in midfield. But he's totally changed things up the past two games. And I think this was the Tottenham team everyone wanted to see against Chelsea. We saw uh, just Hoybier in the middle. Uh, no Skip, who was perhaps unfortunate to be dropped going on this start to the season. He was joined with uh, Deli Ali and Tongi Ondombele in there. Then we saw Giovanni Lo Celso uh, return on the right. And we also saw uh, a first Premier League start for Christian Romero. So I think, as I said, it was the lineup everyone wanted. And I think Nuno got exactly what he wanted from his Spurs team. In the first half, they took the game to Chelsea. They came out on top in the midfield battle. Uh, not a lot of clear-cut chances. I think it was the one where Sergio Regalan could have had a shot on goal rather than rolling it across the face of the goal towards Giovanni mm-hmm. Lacelso. And then there was uh, some good play what allowed Son an opening on goal, but it wasn't the best of touches and Kepper was out quickly to deny. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel saw what was wrong and made a, uh, a game-changing substitution at halftime with N'Golo Kante coming on. And that just, you know, totally changed the game. It was a classic game of two halves. Spurs had played really well in the first half, a lot of positives. But then the second half, very few positives to take, 
you agree with that, Ali? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Apologies to everyone if you hear me coughing or sounding a little a bit like Barry White at times, but I've got a bit of a lurgy. Not the lurgy that's going around, <laughs> just a bit of a, a seasonal one instead. Um, yeah, the, the lineup was fascinating. I kind of found out a little while before kickoff, um, and obviously I'm not one of those who likes to kind of go, I know what the team is, because quite frankly... You know, do we really want to warn the opposition exactly what's about to come? Like, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that myself. So, I mean, people might have seen. I just tweeted out. You know, I think this is one that, that's probably going to fire the fans up, and I think it did. It was, it was probably the lineup a lot of us wanted to see. I think in hindsight, a lot of people will probably now change their mind and say, "Oh no, we should have been more responsible," and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well. I really liked the look of the team and I understood it. I understood the point of it. I think, um, yeah, just getting, you know, you, you've obviously, you've lost with Bergvine and Lucas that little bit of width and pace and, and hard work down the flank. So he kind of made up for it in different ways. Um, and I liked the team. I really did. I, I liked having, you know, I've been, always been one, despite the fact it was utterly disastrous in Antwerp, I think, last season. I love the idea of, uh, Hoybier with Lo Celso and Nundembele. You know, I think all three of them at their absolute peak, that should be a terrific trio. I don't think we've seen the very best of it yet. And I think sometimes, like yesterday, Lo Celso is playing further up and stuff like that. But it's, I think everything about the team was was right to begin with. And I think that's why we saw that in the first half. I thought they played well. Uh, like you say, the Son chance, the Regulon chance. I have no idea why he looked to try and play the ball rather than shoot. He, they, they kind of gave him the. I think that was a bit like reminded me of. Do you remember when uh, Van Dyke let Sissoko run all the way through on goal yeah. Um, yeah. at Anfield? It was always because he's like, well, Sissoko will miss. It was kind of like they did that with Regulon, and it was like, well, I'll go on then. Don't do the pass to Lacelso because they could intercept that. Let take up the option to run through, and he just didn't. And, um, excuse me, they also, uh, Lacelso himself, had a couple of, like, chances in the first, like, minute where he just couldn't quite connect with the ball. I think he sliced one, and the other one, you know, I think it was cleared from his feet. So, you know, they did create, what, three, four chances in that first half. And I think the key thing for, for Spurs in that first half was they fought, they battled, they pressed. A lot of the good stuff that we wanted to see from Tottenham happened that first half. And I just felt, I just felt it's a fitness thing. Second half, I think everyone will point to the uh, the Kante uh, substitution and, and and understand that. Personally, I just think the Spurs dropped off what they were doing, um, what they were doing so well, and that is a fitness thing. We're going to talk about, we're going to come to it about Nuno not having the amount of time. You know, he told me afterwards to work with the full squad. You know, we're going to speak about that because I think you and I last night kind of worked that out, just how little time he's actually worked with the whole squad. And I think you could see that because he demands a certain level of fitness. And that's why for those 45 minutes, they did everything pretty much asked of them apart from, you know, just get the ball into that net. And then second half, it was like watching a different team. It was like really leggy players. And, you know, what I would say about substitutions, you know, Chelsea were able to bring on N'Golo Kante and Timo Werner. And with no dis disrespect, because they are two talented young players, but Nuno had turned around and essentially had a 20-year-old in Brian Hill and a 21-year-old in Oliver Skip. 
And it just reminds me massively, if you remember this, the FA Cup semi-final when Poch was there, of when Spurs is a bit similar, maybe kind of were in a good, were in a position where they thought they could go on and do something. And then Chelsea brought on Eden Hazard, Cesc Fabregas and uh, Diego Costa. Tottenham brought on Georges and Kevin and Kudu. <laughs> and when Poch looked round and saw Vincent Janssen, he was like, oh, I'd rather bring on Kyle Walker. <laughs> and it was just like, it just harked back to that. And that for me, it's just always going to be the difference between the two teams, unfortunately, is that Chelsea just have that ability to go out and buy an incredible squad. And Tottenham, they buy, you know, they've got an 11 that can be fantastic, but then the rest of the squad is very much promise and potential. And that's just the difference in these huge games. It really is. You know, you're going to win a few, but ultimately on a consistent basis, the team that has the utter quality to be able to turn to and bring on to change games will probably win the games most times. Yeah, in terms of the second half, I think it was totally, it was just chalk and cheese, wasn't it, between first half and second half. Then Chelsea just started on the front foot from the very first minute in the uh, second half and then obviously went a goal ahead through Thiago Silva's header five minutes after the restart. And I mean, you don't want to go a goal down against Chelsea because you know how good they are. And then especially with... Spurs' lack of creativity at the moment in terms of creating, you know, real out-and-out chances. That was always going to be hard. And then the second goal just really killed it because that was just a fortuitous strike. Uh, I don't even know if it was going on target from Kante, to be honest. But Some people say it wasn't, but I, I must admit, I didn't, couldn't tell from the replays we were seeing. Yeah, so hit Dyer. And then on one of the replays behind the goal, it showed it looked like it was going wide up until the last minute. And then it, the spin on it just guided it in off the post. It really, really uh, bit of an unlucky goal in terms of uh, Spurs' perspective. And then, you know, later on in the game, if it wasn't for the heroics of Hugo Lloris, Eric Dyer as well with a couple of good blocks, Chelsea could have had five or six. The amount of times, yeah. the amount of openings they had in the final 10 minutes was uh, concerning. And, you know, I think it was just a matter of time before they got the goal. And I think it was what, a minute from the end when Rudiger yeah. scored. It was, uh, yeah, it is what it is, that second half performance. I think it is concerning to have conceded three goals in uh, both of the last two Premier League games in the second half. And, you know, Nuno needs to find a way now of taking what Spurs did in the first half and then going forward and, you know, doing it over the course of 90 minutes. Then Eric Dyer uh, was interviewed after the game and I think he said Spurs just have to be smarter in terms of when they go a goal down. Uh, I mean, we spoke about it last week uh, in terms of Chipet Tanganga sending off those five minutes after the first yellow card are crucial. You need to settle down and, you know, just focus. And that's when uh, Chelsea hit Spurs and, you know, grabbed the second and just gave him a mountain to climb and it was way too much in the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the, probably the most disappointing thing for Nuno was that despite the tiredness, despite everything we were saying, that first goal came from a set piece and it was... Just I've watched it back so many times, that one, and I just don't get the the marking up. It's like, it looked like Spurs were going more zonal and 
I just, I feel with that, it just allows the likes of, you know, Silver was just able to wander in from so deep. And then you've got Delhi and Dyer both looking at each other like, well, where did he come from? It's just such a weird way. I know a lot of teams do have success with it, but for me, it just leaves you so open to those runs from deep. Um, because, you know, you, you end up with players who are running in and just being able to leap. Whereas you've got someone that has a standing start like Delhi, who's not even getting off the floor. And it's, yeah, it was, it was a kind of like a sucker punch, wasn't it? When they, they just never really recovered from. And like you say, the irony is it was a 3-0 defeat. The defence, you know, made some mistakes. But I'd actually say probably the three best players for me were two centre-backs and a goalkeeper which is really weird, which makes no sense. I, I even had to say that in my player ratings. It's like, please don't crucify me. But I have given my high, I've given sevens to Dyer, Romero and um, Larice because I felt, I thought Dyer wasn't Dyer. I thought, you know, I thought he was good. I think that block he did on his goal line, I think it was like with his hip or something, was incredible. Um, he did... Uh, the, the goal, the deflection was just nothing. That's just unfortunate. You just can't legislate for that whatsoever. And he made loads of blocks, interceptions. I thought he did really well. I thought Romero, there was a lot of positives with him. I felt he, at times, some of the stuff he did, some of the kind of neat and confident, tidy way he dealt with stuff, you could see like why he is you know, so highly rated. Um, and I think the more and more he settles into that Tottenham team, I think he'll be very good. And Larice, like you say, you know, he was flying everywhere. He took a massive whack to his shin, I think, at one point to cut it. Um, and I was looking about, I was trying to think, I don't think there was anything he could do with any of the goals. Everyone was right in the corner. Um, and yeah, which was weird. I just felt the two fullbacks had kind of weird mixed games. Um, you know, Regalon made one really good block, I remember, in the box. Emerson had especially first half, I think, some really good moments. I remember turning to uh, one of the fellow reporters and just saying, you know, touch wood, Emerson has been really good today. He's kind of dealt with things well. And then I think both he and Regal on second half just seemed to go awry in certain things they did. Um, yeah, it's such a weird game. It is such a, such a strange game. And, and I think there is there's so much to take from that first half because, you know, obviously... The crowd was so up for it. There was so much emotion. Obviously, the, the terrible news of Jimmy Greaves passing away in the morning. And, and we had the Tottenham legends on one side of the pits, the likes of you know, Perryman, Hoddle, Roberts, Hazard, um, King, uh, Paul Allen was there, Michael Dawson. I feel like I've missed out someone, which I, is by no means intentional as well. I'm just trying to remember the list of them. Um, but all of them as well, obviously. And you're sending off one of the best players really that British football's ever seen um, and you know for Tottenham certainly an incredible club legend and the, and the, the club's highest goal scorer and I think there was that emotional charge to the game in that first half and I think Spurs really responded well I remember writing at half time something like that was exactly the kind of half Tottenham needed they really needed to show that they're like, there for a big game and they did and I think that's what makes the second half so disappointing because it was just chalk and cheese. It really was. And, yeah, until they find that consistency, um, they are. They're going to struggle. And, 
you know, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but that, this week coming up is huge. <laughs> it really is. It's so big, so early in the season after what's just happened. Going back to R- Romero and Dyer, I think what I can say on them, I know, like you said, people are, will be thinking, why are the two centre-backs and then the goalkeeper coming out of the game with so much praise when you've lost 3-0, but look at what Romelu Lukaku did in the game. Yeah. How many chances did he have? I mean, there was so much talk about him ahead of the game, given how well he started. He was limited to pretty much nothing up until the final 10 minutes of the game. I know there was a couple of chances when he perhaps could have shot the one in the first half where he decided to play in Mason Mount and his effort was blocked. But there was a lot of, I think Ron was really restricted to his hold-up play and trying to bring players in until it opened up. My mate, Ron. Yeah, best mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was only up until the final 10 minutes where he started running at the back line. And Christian Romero in the game when he played against him last season, uh, when he was at Atalanta and Lukaku was at Inter, it was exactly the same. Uh, Lukaku just didn't really have a kick. They just totally uh, Mm. nullified him. And I think that's what they did uh, to start with up until, you know, the final 10 minutes when everything was just a bit more open for Chelsea. So I think Romero, you know, coached well on his Premier League debut and hopefully we'll see the best of him because I think he's someone who can be uh, a key player over the coming years. And I think Eric Dyer also deserves praise. I know uh, he started the season well alongside uh, Devinson Sanchez, who you'd say was the better out of the two, but he performed really well yesterday. I think there's definitely positives you can take from uh, the centre-backs going forward. I think so. I feel with Lukaku, what he did still do so well yesterday was holding the ball. Yeah. He just does. He just holds it so. He is obviously he's you know physically so strong, but he does this weird thing that Spurs were con- complaining about. He almost does like this weird star thing. Whenever the ball comes to him, he flings his arms out like that and thrusts his body forward to kind of. It's almost like in one move it stops the. Um, if anyone does actually watches this in the clip, I am demonstrating it. He kind of flings his arms out, which kind of stops the defender getting anywhere around him but he also takes the ball in kind of his chest area. Um, and yeah, Dyer and Romero are complaining about it because, yeah, essentially in their view, he's flinging out his arms at them every single time. But it just is incredibly effective. And I just felt even without his kind of potency in terms of scoring a goal, I still felt that it was a very different performance from Kane at the other end. What did you make of Kane yesterday? What I thought was strange about uh, Kane's performance and display was was where Nuno started him. He started on the left of a three with Son playing through the middle. What I thought was strange. I thought, you know, Kane's your out-and-out front man. He should be through the middle. I think Son works better coming from the left or the right. That's what I would have gone with. Uh, I, I just can't understand why he did start from the left because he made no impact on the game at all. Uh, very limited. Again, dropping deep to try and get on the ball and make things happen. I think he was finally when he went centrally uh, on about the hour mark was when he had his uh, first real attempt when he uh, had space outside the area and forced Kepper into a save. Uh, he's struggling at the moment. He's not the hurricane 
of last season and not the hurricane what we saw in the uh, knockout stages of the Euros. I think he just needs a goal. But again, where's that going to come from when there's a, a lack of creativity at the moment? I know you can say Kane is the playmaker as well and creates chances for himself, but it's, it's concerning at the moment the play in the final third and that's even with Nuno going with two uh, attacking lineups in the past two games. It's just not quite worked. Just need to figure out. And I think everything will will click at some point. There's so much talent in that team who can, you know, blow their opponents away. And hopefully it will be this week. Uh, I mean, what did you make of Kane's performance? He was quiet again, wasn't he? I think he was. I think he... With everyone else, I think they started the game well. He did. I think it was a strange position he was in. He was on the left at times, but he was also kind of floating around. It was almost like he'd been told, if you um, if you kind of want to pull back, then we'll let Son run on. A bit like he did in the Mourinho times. And I think we saw more running from Kane in the first half. I thought he's pressing, you know, it's almost like Son made him press. Son was so lively early on. It made Kane have to do the same. And what I'd say, I just think this is the biggest thing about time. Everyone's making, talking about the attacking or lack of and, and the creativity and totally, I totally understand that. But what I would say is you've, You've got Kane and Son, the two biggest stars, probably two of the biggest stars in the Premier League, let alone Tottenham's two biggest players. And they're both absolutely off the boil at the moment. And for Son, he absolutely has a reason. He was, you know, he's been absent with injury and he came back yesterday and he kind of ran out of steam. You could see it. You could very much see it. It was it was kind of pretty much <clears throat> pretty much coincided really with the second half. And and I just feel that you take the potency of those two players who can both create, they can both score goals and still have them on the pitch, but almost like passengers at times. And I don't know what team in the Premier League isn't suddenly going to have its attack and creativity blunted hugely. I mean, those two players bailed the Mourinho team out of so many games. You know, they were incredible last season. And, you know, if had they been really quiet in those matches... Spurs would have come away with far more defeats or draws or whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to look at it as. And I just feel that's probably been a big hamper, a hamper, isn't that a word? Something that's hampered um, Nuno is having those two essentially just, yeah, like I say, shadows of their former selves right now. I think Son, Son will get fitter, of course he will. And I think that's probably the key with Kane as well. I think it's a fitness thing. I think joining up late did him no favours whatsoever, um, you know, and he's, he kind of, he almost, he needs training time more than matches right now, I feel. I think he just really, the Nuno, you know, it's no secret, Nuno's demands are very like Poch, they're very high fitness-wise, it's very much about pressing, there's very much about, you know, double sessions, all the stuff that players hate. Um, and I suppose this is as good as time as any to come into it, you know, about the time he's had with these players. You know, I asked him after the game about the uh, lack of creativity again. I feel like that's something I'm asking him. He's probably going, oh, bloody hell, here comes the lack of creativity question. I asked him about that, and I was just like, why is it still not clicking? I said, is it a lack of coordination, a lack of rhythm these players have right now? What is it? And he said, it's all of the above, but he said mostly the main reason is a lack of time. 
And I kind of I thought about it, and I was just like, I think what I what he first said because he didn't really expand on it. I was kind of thought, did it, does he just mean, you know, we're only a few weeks into the season, kind of thing. And then I went away and I looked at it properly and I kind of figured out really what he meant. It's the amount of time he's had to work with these players. It's so, as a, as a full squad, I think we're talking two to three weeks because you look at it and pre-season, the bulk of the, the big players, as it were, came back, what, in the last fortnight to a week, some of them? Some of them were just in the final days. And, you know, obviously Harry Kane and Tongi on the melee they're sagas, man. They weren't even part of things for the early weeks of the season, let alone pre-season. Then it gets, you know, gets a little bit of time to work with them. Spurs win three games. They're in the, um, what do you call it, through to the group stages of the Europa Conference League, looking good. Then that bloody international break comes along, uh, takes three of three players who were likely to start a lot of matches away, isolates them in Croatia. Then five other players get injured, um, you know, some on international duty, some when they came back, like Dyer and then Bergwijn Lucas again. And you just look at it and you just think, how many training sessions has Nuno Espirito Santo been able to put on with his full squad? And look, you know, no manager gets his full squad. I get that. But I'm talking about a squad that isn't shorn of at least five to six key players. And I just think I just think it would be a little bit unfair on him. You know, and I include myself in some of the, you know, some of the kind of uh, uh, criticisms I've made of the team. I do think it hasn't been pleasing on the eye. It hasn't been the um, attractive, entertaining football Daniel Levy promised and all of that sort of stuff. However, I just don't think we've seen Nuno's team yet. I just don't think we have. I think we've seen a team cobbled together and put out there with whoever's fit, whoever he's been able to do some kind of training sessions with. I mean, Romero, yesterday's game, Romero and Lo went in there on one training session. Son and Dyer, as, as far as I'm aware, went into the game with no training sessions with the team, just you know, no full training sessions at all. So you've got four players going into a team with just minimal preparation for that game. Um, I just feel I feel it needs a little bit of time, but I'm just worried whether the time is there for him because, you know, we know the background. We know the fans. Most of them didn't really want him as the manager in the first place. I think he raised expectations with those early wins, you know, beating Man City and all of that, whatever we're now rewriting those games to be. I know some people are now saying, oh, but they were lucky wins and all this sort of stuff, which they weren't really. Um, and yeah, I just I just feel sorry for him. I, I just worry that if this week is a bad one, and say they go out of the Carabao Cup, say the North London Derby, which let's be honest, Spurs rarely ever do anything at the Emirates anyway. But you know, it's one of those where I just worry if we get to the end of this week, how the balance is, you know, behind the scenes with the fans and everything. And I just feel he hasn't really had a fair crack of the whip. And I will always go back to Poch's first season, always. Because I think people just forget it. Pochettino Spurs, until probably November, maybe even later, were dreadful. They were dreadful. The results were terrible. He's admitted he thought he was going. And then suddenly he got to November and it just, like you said earlier, it clicked. And I just, I just, it almost feels like Nuno deserves that time. Um, 
but I just worry. I just look at how the fans are reacting. There were a few boos at full time yesterday, and it's a bit like, oh, where is this going to go? I don't know about you, but I can't be bothered with another managerial search that lasts <laughs> loads of months. It was like the last one took an age. <laughs> you know, can we not just give this guy a little bit of time first before we just go, no, 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 out, and then just start again and, you know... I know what everyone will say, but Conte is still available. Yes, he is. And maybe that would be the cleverest thing for Tottenham to do, to bring him in when there's not a transfer window where essentially he can bankrupt the club. (laughs) Just, oh. Sunday is such a big match, isn't it? It's, you know, yes, Arsenal are starting to turn it around slightly, but it really is a match between two managers who, you know, maybe the knives are out for. Yeah, I think... Going back to what you said about time, it does need time. It was always going to be uh, a tough summer for all Premier League managers because you've got a major tournament taking place this year. So that means you were always going to have a a staggered return in terms of your players. And then for Nuno and Tottenham, it's a brand new manager coming in. So you want the one thing you want with your new manager is time to get to know him. And going back when... Jose Mourinho was in charge. I think he was asked in January what he wants uh, in the January window. And I think he said he just wants time with his players on the training pitch because that European football, you've got cup competition. He literally had no time. And that's going to be the case again for Nuno because this week, I mean, today is it going to be a day off for the players or is it going to be a bit of a recovery session and then video yeah, And then tomorrow, you're going to be building up to the Wolves game. Wednesday's the Wolves game. Thursday again, recovery session. Friday, Saturday, you're building up to the game. And it's literally going to be like this for the next few weeks because and next week... Breaks. More of yeah, them. <laughs> next week, we're back in the Europa Conference League. I think the week after that, it's international break. So it's like, well, where is this time going to come from? Then if Spurs didn't qualify for Europe, it has, to definitely it has to transform Tottenham. This is what people don't yeah. realise. Yeah. It's not like a simple tweak here and there. He absolutely needs to change them and get them back on track. Yeah, it's not something what's going to just change overnight. Is literally going to take time. And time is the one thing he needs. And it's one thing as well that he possibly doesn't have a lot of just because of the cup competitions and then the international breaks coming up. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. He, know, he knows what it's like having been manager of Wolves in the Euro- Europa League as well. The cup competitions, he's just going to have to, you know, use the time as best as he possibly can. And fingers crossed, things do start to click. Uh, shall we move on to the Wolves game now? Because that's coming up on, on Wednesday. Yeah. Of course, yes. Wolverhampton again. Yes, and another trip to Molyneux. I think what about a month ago we were last there for the one nil win yeah. in the league. Quick return as well for Nuno, back to his old club. I think we're expecting there uh, a number of changes again, especially with the North London derby on the horizon. Would you be making wholesale changes for this, Ali, or just tweaking one or two positions? So I mean, it's a competition Spurs ideally could go with uh, having a good run in it like they did last year, then Man City probably will end up winning it, though, <laughs> as usual. Well, it'll be five years on the try for winning it this year, something like that. 
Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it? I think I think personally, I think Spurs need to start playing, getting these players sharp and in form. Um, I think they need minutes. I think it's too. I, 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 it, there's two sides to look at it. You could look at it and say, you know, Arsenal are playing AFC Wimbledon on the same night. We know that means they are likely to rotate their squad, which means that they'll, yes, have fresher players on Sunday. Um, I suppose it depends on how you look at how how do you gain fitness? I mean, is it better for the players that say he wants to start on Sunday against Arsenal to get their fitness on the training ground? Or is it better for them to play, you know, on Wednesday night and then on Sunday? I just I just worry at the moment that taking out the players you want to play on Sunday who maybe weren't particularly good the previous Sunday, all they're doing is going into next Sunday with the muscle memory and the actual real memories of losing a game 3-0 against Chelsea. Whereas I just wonder whether getting some of them back out there to get that out of their system against Wolves, who, let's be honest, they're gonna. It's gonna be another physically tough game because Wolves are gonna look to have a lot of possession. They're gonna create a lot as well. You know, there's a certain Adama Traore chap who you know is apparently quite problematic. Um, yeah, it's. I really don't know which way he's gonna go with this. I think he'll probably feel he needs to give players minutes who aren't getting it. You know, the likes of Roden and Sanchez after the weekend and. Hill, um, you know, someone like Tongi Ondembele, you know, we were obviously surprised to see him start again. Um, I remember we mentioned him, to be honest, he, I thought he did some really good things in that first half. Again, he he kind of, but it's the same old story with Tongi, you know, the first half, some really good stuff, probably the one player that looked like he might make something happen um, and then tired completely early in the second half and you could see it, you, you know, you, you can see him just kind of wanted to come off, which is just the most, oh, as someone, you know, all of us, all of us who dream of being Premier League players, to see a player clearly just wanting to come off, you think, oh, my God, I would stay on there until they dragged me off the pitch. Um, but does that mean, does he now need to start again on Wednesday night? Do you get him out there at Molyneux and just keep saying, right, then, keep building up your fitness because we need you in the second half of games. Um, or does that just mean he's absolutely shattered for the Arsenal game? You know, it's I find it has it's, it's why um, it's why maybe I have a little bit more sympathy for managers and head coaches because I just don't think it's as simple as sometimes we we play FIFA or football manager and we just think oh you know this is what I'd line up for that or there's some people that always say I play my strongest team in every game and you get these some players that never ever end up playing or if they do they look completely. Um, lack of sharpness they just look terrible um yeah and then obviously you've got the younger players you've got younger players who've probably been told they'll be developed and brought on the likes of Dane Scarlett and Niall John and players like that but can you afford to even do that right now had had results been slightly differently maybe it's uh yeah it's mad what would you do uh I'd be going near enough full strength with a couple of changes in there. I think Joe Roden needs to come in, Sanchez as well from the other day, Matt Doherty. I'd start Kane. He needs 
to build his fitness up. He needs to get back on yeah. track. I think you've you've got to he start needs to him. Score some goals. Exactly. I mean, in an ideal world, it would be nice to see Dane Scarlett start because he's another one who does need, yeah, the minutes if he's become a permanent fixture in the first team uh, over the coming years. But this is a competition Spurs can go far and can win potentially. So for me, I'd be taking no chances. Uh, I'd go pretty much near enough full strength. And then uh, you've got the NS Miura game, haven't you, coming up the following yeah. week. Yeah. Is that, the, is that the game where you give Dane Scarlett a start, Niall John? I mean, yeah, maybe. On, on paper, they're going to be the weakest team in the group. I think they lost 2-0 against Vitesse at home uh, first half. Again, it's a game Spurs need to win, but I think you can probably uh, make a few more changes for that. So I think... Kane would definitely start. Brian Hill should come in. I'd probably give Lacelso more minutes. Skip should probably come in as well, having started on the bench. Uh, I'd be going. <laughs> possibly, <laughs> possibly. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think he. I think he probably would start him in that game. Well, given he didn't start against Wren, yeah, he, 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 he needs the minutes. And I think he'll probably well, get Tottenham fans will be saying, why? Me. Why does he need the minutes? <laughs> yeah, true. So, why yeah. Don't we just, I think Tottenham should just decline to send anyone away on international duty for the rest of this year. I think that would solve all the problems. Let <laughs> Nuno have two training camps with all the players. Yes, I know that's blasphemy for anyone that loves international football. But, you know, hey, I think Spurs should set the lead here, uh, take the lead and just say, no. England, you're not even having your captain. We need time. But would then countries do what Brazil did and try to get them banned for Premier League games? <laughs> so, so Spurs would then have to play their non-international <laughs> yeah. eleven for the next game. Uh, you yeah. know, well, I'll tell you what, with the, with the um, South American players, if they don't do that, they're mad. I'd rather lose them for one game than you know you're going to lose them for definitely two afterwards. It's just... I'd be intrigued to see what happens to that because they can't allow that to happen ever again. No, oh, they can't just have them in Croatia for another 10 days after no. <laughs> after uh, international games. No, something needs to happen with that. Definitely, you've got to keep them, whatever. So especially the, after bloke the, owns a sports complex. the bloke who owns a sports complex in Croatia who I was told was loving having them over and trying to get the local media to have a look. Yeah, we love it if they keep having to come back each time. <laughs> All these Premier League stars every month. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the Wolves game then, mm. what would you do with your team? Would you go pretty much near enough I'm full strength? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think I'd go maybe seven, eight of the team that started on um, Sunday. I think Galini probably comes in, give him cup matches. He's probably been promised that. Um it's. I feel. I feel like I'm being slightly tough on Matt Doherty, but I'd probably keep playing Emerson at the moment because I think it looks like he's going to be the. Although saying that, we're forgetting about Jaffet Tanganga. Jaffet Tanganga yeah. will be back and available. It may well be that he comes in there. Although personally, I think maybe you play Emerson and I'd maybe play Tanganga in a derby. Um, at right back, just to have that added kind of insurance down the right hand side. Um, so yeah, 
I think Sanchez and Roden, be interesting to see what that's like as a partnership. I'm trying to think if we've seen it thus far. Um, uh, Villa, Villa away. Was that the one? We mentioned that on the last oh, pod yeah. about, Tang, was it Tanganga and Roden? I think it was yeah. Roden and Sanchez because did Sanchez make a really good block? Yes, he, he didn't make a block or something like that. One. I think you're he right. He didn't dive in. Yeah, was that the I one think... they won? Like one, like was it one nil or two one or was it those two two? It was right did, near the end, wasn't it? Did Vinicius score? I think it was. I think Vinicius scored. I think and that was Kane, Lucas set Kane him up. penalty. Yeah, yeah. Lucas was playing in the number ten role, wasn't he? And I think. Yeah, and we were a bit like, ooh, how's that back line going to go? And they did. They ended up playing really well. I think that was literally a few days after that Dinamo Zagreb defeat, what we don't want to talk about again. <laughs> yeah. I think he has to change things up, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So, yeah, maybe Roden and Sanchez then come in together. I think Joe Roden will deserves more minutes. Uh, Sanchez, I think, does as well. I think he's probably looked at it yesterday and thought he was a bit unlucky to... You know, to come back and not be starting. Um, although, obviously, some people might have different feelings on that, bearing in mind that he kind of went away. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it has to be a at least maybe seven of the starters from Sunday, and then you change a few around them. Um, especially, I'd say, I'd say the attacking players. If Lucas and Bergvine aren't fit enough to to play. I think you keep going with what you've got because they've got to get back into patterns of play. They've got to get into their rhythm. Um, coming in and out and shoving them back together again. I know it's no good for the likes of Brian Hill, but they need to... They, you know, It sounds ridiculous when you talk about players that have played together in the past, in previous seasons, but they, at times they've looked like they've never played together. And... Uh, it's yeah, stuff like that that just I just want I want Nuno to have proper time just just to work with them, um, get them going, and uh, it's not an easy game. I'm, I'm probably probably even more worried about the Wolves game than I am the Arsenal one, to be honest. We'll move on to the Arsenal game then, since Yay. you're worried about that. We'll we'll talk <laughs> about that now. Uh, I mean. After the going into the first international break of the season, things looked rather good for Tottenham. They were top of the Premier League. Arsenal were bottom. But Arsenal have bounced back in the past two weeks with wins over Norwich and Burnley. I think both were by uh, a single goal. So they're going to be in confident mood now going into the game. Uh, Should they be? Should they well, be after 1-0 wins against uh, those two, uh, Norwich and Burnley? I mean, it's a win's a win at the end of the day. It, matter it, if it's it is what it is, in the words of or, Robert. Or 1-0, but it sounded like against Norwich, was it? They had like 30 shots, but only managed to score the one. I think they'll be okay, confident. Most this... against Norwich, unfortunately, this season. Yeah, I think, I think they will be confident going into the game on the back of two successive wins. I think, to be honest... You'd rather go into a game on the back of two successive wins than two oh, successive three yeah. nil defeats, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. yes, this is that's the insight that I think the people have been waiting for us to deliver. Quite frankly, <laughs> you're spot on. But it, it, it is a Northland derby, and the form book does yeah. tend to go out of the window. Well, that's why I said um, I'm I'm less worried about this game than the Wolves one, and that's exactly why. Not saying that I think Spurs are going to rock up and 
break their Emirates curse that they mostly have. It's more the fact that, like you say, if they can't turn up G'd up for a derby, then, you know, especially a North London one, what is the point? Yeah, and this is going to be one with the fans back in, as we didn't have that in the Emirates last season yeah. when Lamella scored that brilliant Roberna goal and then got himself sent off. So, oh. yeah. Thanks <laughs> for the reminders of Zagreb and Lamella getting sent off. <laughs> I think this is the perfect game for Nuno uh, in order to try and turn things around in the league. If you can win this game, get three points and everything, you know, looks a, a lot better, especially going into then the NS Miori game. And I think it's Aston Villa before the second international break of the season. Yeah. You don't want to be going into that final week on the back of what a cup exit and another league defeat as you know the pressure is really, really gonna start and intensify on him. I think this is this is the one if he's gonna turn things around, hopefully it will be this game. I mean, yesterday we saw a rather attacking lineup. He went with good first half performance. Has he got to stick with the same tactics? Um, yeah, I think so. Like I said, I think Tanganga probably does come in at right back. Um, obviously, he'll very much know he has to keep his head in this derby. Um, not like he did it at Selhurst Park. Um, yeah, I mean, Lucas usually plays pretty well against Arsenal. I think if he's available, then perhaps he comes in. Uh, and to be honest, Bergwijn, I think, has had a good game against Arsenal as well. I'm trying to remember. I'm sure I remember him. Was that the home one? Home one last season, 2-0, yeah. yeah. I think so. I think I remember just writing about how incredibly hard he worked and how he was kind of quite instrumental in, in not only frustrating them, but getting Spurs forward. So, yeah, if those two are available, maybe he switches it up slightly. Um, but this is the thing, obviously, if Son's back, it, it does change the dynamic of the team slightly. So maybe it'll only be one of those. I mean... You know, not just because I'm an Ondembele fan, but I think, as I said earlier, the more and more you can get minutes into him, the more and more I think you have to use him because obviously don't give him too much defensive responsibility because he there are moments he won't track back. Uh, there are moments when he maybe won't put his foot in quite as hard as you'd want him to. But the more confident he gets, the fitter he gets, I think he will. I remember one... Uh, I can't remember what team it was against. I remember one... Uh, in last season when he did this incredible lung-busting run back uh, in the final moments of one of the games. Was to, that uh, the Europa League qualifier? Was that Shek and or someone like that? Or might have been. I felt it was a Premier League game, but it, it might have been. Um, but I think it just showed that when he is fit, he can do those sort of things. And I just feel that He's the one bit of magic, especially if Son and Kane aren't doing what they do. He's the one bit of magic Tottenham have. He's the one player that can break the lines. He can, you know, some of the stuff he was doing yesterday, Chelsea couldn't really get the ball off him. I think the only times he lost the ball was when he played silly passes that, that didn't go to people. Um, and when you're playing against, you know, <clears throat> a team who in Arsenal at home especially are going to try to dominate the possession... You need someone that can keep the ball and not just giving it back to them. That's the problem because at the moment, Spurs, when they've played against those sort of teams, the ball just comes back. They're just not holding it. You know, we spoke about Lukaku earlier and how well he holds up the ball. 
And, you know, and if Kane isn't doing that or the ball's bouncing off Son and he's not kind of taking it up the pitch with him, you know, we know the way they're going to have to play at Arsenal. It's the way that, I don't know how to put this, the fans and us love when it works and we say how incredibly, you know, great that counter-attacking football was. They just lulled Arsenal in and then they broke and every time they destroyed them. When it doesn't work, it's negative defensive football. <laughs> and it's like, well, not really. It's just, it just didn't work. Um, and I do think, you know, I don't think you're going to go to Emirates and I don't think you are going to boss the possession and you are going to just, you know, keep them out of the match, as it were. It just doesn't work like that. And I think that was what, to be fair, Mourinho did well in some of the games against Arsenal. You know, it, there were some very good kind of performances even if they weren't the easiest in the eye for some periods of the game. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think that's how he's going to have to go with it again. And I just fear that it's one of those games, a bit like the City one, that even if he manages to pull off an unlikely win and then they have, a, let's say, a bad performance against Villa, people go, oh, yeah, but they only, you know, they only were lucky against Arsenal. The amount of, the amount of the ball Arsenal had and all that, yeah, as you can tell, I'm a little bit concerned about how the fan base, I think, has already decided about Nuno. And uh, I don't know if it's just a modern football thing or not. I don't know. But uh, I'm just a little bit worried about where we go from here. Yeah, I think in terms of the setup, I think he's got to go with the same one. As you said, maybe Tanganga coming in for Emerson at right back. But Tottenham do on paper, have some really, really good attacking players who can, you know, finish a game off if everything does click. So I think that's the best way of going into the game at the Emirates, just again, repeat the first half performance against Chelsea, you know, take the game to them, win that midfield battle, some really good pressing. But again, going back to the Chelsea one, it was Chelsea that Tottenham lost against Chelsea, at top of the Premier League table. I think you've got to remember they've already been away at Liverpool, at Arsenal, at Spurs now. They're undefeated, the top of the table against, you know, another team. If you're playing, I don't know, say, for example, Watford at home or Southampton at home, how Spurs started yesterday, if things click, there could be, you know, a couple of goals ahead. I think you've got to go for it now. I think, yeah, obviously, we don't want to see Tottenham lose, but I think you can probably understand it more if a team goes for it and does end up losing rather than going for the negative setup as they did at Crystal Palace and then putting in a performance like that and getting absolutely hammered. So for me, you've got to go for it. Arsenal are a team, you know, they're nowhere near the levels they are, uh, they were in previous years. For me, I don't, I wouldn't even consider them one of the top six in terms of the uh, running for the Premier League at the moment. I think like Leicester have overtaken them in recent years, despite their, you know, patchy start to the season. So for me, just go for it. It's a game, you know, Spurs need to win. And then hopefully next week we will be talking about three points at the Emirates and uh, the next round of the Carabao Cup after a win at Wolves. Does that change everything? If they win it, if they win North London Derby, does that do you think that buys him more time in the fans' eyes? Is it that big a result? Yeah, I think it's gonna be a big game for me. I mean, you're five games into the season. He's not gonna perform miracles overnight. And we've already said mm. he's not had a lot of time with the team. Time is one thing he needs, but 
at the moment. I mean, looking at the starts of this season, three wins, two defeats. I mean, that's what probably a lot of fans maybe would have expected given Chelsea and Man City were in the first five. But there was the Man City win. And then instead of losing at home to City, Spurs then went and lost 3-0 at Palace. But I think this one is a big, big game coming up at the Emirates. In terms of the team then, who would be your centre-back pairing, especially if Sanchez carries on his form at Wolves and has another strong start? Because it'd be uh, hard to drop Dyer off the back of Sunday's performance against Chelsea and then the same for Romero as well. Yeah, difficult one. Um, unless he decides to go for a back three, which we've seen Spurs use at Arsenal with mixed results. Um <laughs> I think he probably does return to Dyer and Romero. I think he probably does. I think unless or does Sanchez... he do a potch and play Sanchez at right back at the Emirates? Oh God, no! <laughs> no, 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 never, no. We never ever. I don't think even Davinson Sanchez ever wants to see that again. That was right up there with Son at left wing back in the uh, one of the semi-finals. Um, yeah, I, I think probably, probably Dyer and Romero. You know, Sanchez and Roden, obviously it's one of those games on Wednesday night where they stake their claim, they can have a, a go. Um, I pres- probably maybe you just look at it and you look at the threats that Arsenal will, will pose because they are quite different defenders he's got, to be fair. He's um, probably say that Sanchez is the one with that little bit more pace than the rest. Um, and the rest are quite an assortment of kind of players. Um, yeah, I'd probably still stick with Di Romero. I, th- I think it sounds ridiculous after a 3-0 defeat, and I understand that. But I think there was signs of that partnership gelling. Um, but, you know, he may feel that Sanchez deserves it. But we'll see what Nuno says. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Tot- Tottenham. There was, as ever, plenty to discuss in the world of Tottenham as we look back at the 3-0 defeat against Chelsea and then looked ahead to the Wolves and Arsenal game. Next week's episode, we'll be looking back at the North London derby. Hopefully, we'll, we'll be talking about three points and a good week for Spurs and Nuno and then also, we'll be previewing the NS Miura game in the Europe Conference League and then the home game against Aston Villa. So, as always, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. <laughs>